This is Ul Radio. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm here with Dermot Casey. Hello. Nice to be here with you, Jason. Thank you for coming by. Last night, you talked to us about the morality of software, which I thought, like you said before we got started, interesting title, provocative, yeah. <laughs> intriguing. And you told some uh, pretty amazing stories about... I'm always touched by that, the people who work in technology talking about gaining a perspective on on their life and deciding what you know what they're doing is not what they want to keep doing in life and you were talking about that with your your work in the startup world uh, yeah i suppose i mean i suppose for a long time i had a very traditional career path in working in large companies and working in corporates and then i kind of took a right turn uh, in 2010 and started working uh, in a startup not knowing what I was doing left or right. So, uh, and I, you know, I knew how to develop software, I knew how to develop products, but I had no idea how to build a company or what was involved in building a company or any of those things. Uh, so it was, uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was an education. Uh, and um, the three years I spent doing that was a, you know, it was a roller coaster. It was a, an, an amazing experience but challenging in a whole pile of different ways. And I suppose between that and the consultancy work over the last six years, or the last three years, and then reflecting on that, I learned a huge amount about myself and what's important to me and uh, what, I, what, I, what I want to focus on and uh, what I want to spend my time doing. And I suppose my own values. And I suppose you don't really understand what they are until they get challenged. Yeah, you... What really struck me as a theme, and so if this isn't it, let me know. You, it, was your, it was your speech. Is that... How we define success or failure is um, can can vary widely from how people perceive it, because you have two stories yeah. about a success and a failure that people on the outside who have very little information would probably invert yeah. to how you view them, yeah. because you're viewing them personally uh, and you're thinking of your yourself and your life and also your values and the potential and. You know, so so let's talk about that a little bit. Your first company, your first startup, was a uh, was a success in the sense that it was sold, but you you ended up viewing it ultimately as a failure. Yeah. So I suppose I suppose at, at two levels, and it's it's. It's it's not that the company itself was a failure, but right. my my, Your experience. my my experience of it could have yeah. been different. Uh, and I suppose that the challenge for myself was. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty vision. But what would I, what what should I have done differently in terms of how I approached, how I worked in in that company, and what are the lessons that I've taken away from that? And you know, I now work, uh, I work with startups and accelerator and and, and a pre seed fund. Uh, how do I, you know, how do I advise people in terms of how they work and the type of work that they that, that they should actually do? So um, yeah, so it's it's you know it it is a uh, you know, former CEO I worked with said, you know, you don't really understand your values until they get challenged, until they actually cost you something. Uh, and that's, you know, when you start to understand what's really, really important in, 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 in your life. Um, so while Storyful was a, you know, an economic success in terms of uh, an exit and the investors made a decent return, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a hundred x, but they made three or four times the money they put into it, which, in you know, in in under four years was it was it was a decent return for an investor, uh, and it employed a decent number of staff and by those economic metrics, but personally, as and this is back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of craftsmanship, in terms of building product and attention to detail on the craft of 
that product that we were building, uh, that's where I felt that that, that wasn't a success. But, but there was a missed opportunity. There was missed opportunities uh, that we could have, you know, we could have built di- technology differently, we could have approached it differently. Uh, and I have a, a former colleague who spent a whole pile of time working out a whole product roadmap that uh, we, we chatted about, we worked on various various elements of stuff, and we could have been, you know, some of those elements, six years later, no company's actually built. Uh, hmm. So there was huge opportunities for us at the time to do even small elements of that and create a significant amount of more value in the company, but also, I think, at a personal level, that you would have gotten much more personal satisfaction from doing something you thought had, had, had significant value. So you told the story about the... Uh the note under the door. I told the story about the note under the door. So that this is this is where um, you're working so hard, you don't realize how hard you're working. And, and the problem, I think, the challenge for people who, particularly in startups, is you know uh, the boundaries disappear. You know, it's you know it's all the airs that God made, and then a few more. Uh, it's weekends. It's uh, you, you know you're coming home to eat dinner to just to go and do some more work. Um, and. Uh, with the strain of raising money and trying to keep all the various bits and pieces together, uh, a lot of things, a lot of things slipped. Um, and I let a lot of things slip. As I didn't just slip, I let a lot of things slip. And um, so, you know, one afternoon, uh, just a little over two years into the in, in, into the company, uh, I was sitting on a on a Skype call with uh, with two people, one of whom was also at this conference, um, and um, we were going through spreadsheets. Uh, and we were you know, trying to figure out the budget because we were doing the middle of uh, fundraising, and um, the, you know the kids were outside the study and they started slipping notes under the door to say come out and play, uh, and you know if you need a wake up call, yeah, uh, that's a wake up about call about as good as the you're ever going to get. It's about as good. It's about as about as important a wake up call as you're going to get. Now, the, when you step back from that, and you think about that. You know, I wasn't. You know. So one thing I could have done is just walked away at that point in time. That wouldn't have been the right thing to do either because I'd spent over two years working on something and helping build it. So we finished out the investment round. We helped build out the management team. So there was a team in place to take the business forward when I left. And I had a choice then about what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to continue in the business because uh, it, it was at one of those junctures where I would have been doing, you know, I would be a new job for another year uh, until what, eventually what was the sale or I could leave and it made sense. I sat down with Mark, who was the founder and we had a good number of conversations over that summer and it made, to me, it made more personal sense at that point uh, to leave and, you know, he was comfortable enough to do that at that point because the business was reasonably in a reasonable steady state. Now you said, and it, this struck me last night, you said... When you left, yeah. that they said it's going to take four people to replace you. He jokingly said, it, "You know, at, uh, I believe he, 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 that he had hired four people to replace me." Uh, so that now, to me, that implies that you were doing the job of four people. Well, not that one, that that everybody else works a quarter as hard no, no, as you, no, but no, that no. you were um, you were you were working four times more than a human should probably be working. Uh, it was definitely working significantly harder than anybody should be working. <laughs> um, and I think my my view on how you should work has changed as well. In that, there are times where you need to work hard, where you need to put in extra hours, but you do that continually. You just wear yourself away. Um, right, and I had done that, but and I had done that at that point. I had done that for nearly three years. Uh, you know, the first year no holidays, second year we'd taken a week off, and I was, you know, uh, 
I was, you know, 20 miles from the office, essentially, by the seaside, um, uh, as in ring me if you need me, sort of a holiday. Because, um, uh, again, there was fun fundraising and other, other stuff going on. Um, but the... Yeah, so, I mean, and I was, you know, so what was, what was my role? I was CEO. I was, I, it was everything but the journalism at one point. So, you know, I was involved in tech. I was involved in product. I made sure things shipped if things weren't shipping. Make sure people were getting paid, so you're doing all this stuff somewhat less efficiently than it should have been. How do, how do we fall into that trap? Is it the idea that we we work on something that um, at at that incredibly high rate because it needs to be done at that rate, and then we we do we do we trick ourselves into thinking that, that that's sustainable? Is that is that how you fall into the trap that just just because you can work that hard doesn't mean that that can that's how you can work all the time? I, I think it harkens back to being. Starting out as a technical professional, right, writing code, where you there is a path to fixing something, and the path to fixing something is actually writing the code to do it, and you get the achievement of doing that, and that fools you into thinking that a lot of other things can be done that way. Oh, I see. Where they they can't. They actually have to be done through other people. You need to figure out how to delegate out to other people. You need to figure out how to do the work. In some cases, you need to say no. The work's just not going to be done. No is the most important word to figure out. But when you take a pride in getting things done challenges you actually take on too much uh so i think you know there was a mix of taking on too much there was a mix of you know uh my own technical background approach to stuff where i had never not gotten stuff done before no matter how impossible things had been in corporate environments and other environments you figured out a way to do it mm-hmm. uh whereas at this point in time it was completely different so you needed to fi- you know you need to figure out okay right we don't need to do those things these things we need to focus on and these things we need to give somebody else to do Whereas, you know, I didn't have the experience to understand some of the elements of that. You know, intellectually you might, but until you've actually been through and been in that environment, or you've been through that environment with people who understand it, um, uh, you, you, you don't have the expertise and the, and, and the skills and the tool set to actually deal with that. And I think that's important as well. It explains a lot about why so many... Uh, tech companies see burnout because you're wor- working from that mentality. Yeah, I think you know a lot. A lot of people are used to being able to fix everything, so it's you know it's and if it's a technical problem and it's you know uh, and you know so I can work harder. You know, and you treat yourself as a machine. We ha- actually had this conversation in up in, in in the bar afterwards last night with uh, with t- two other people who've been involved in the startup, and it, it was it was actually my w- wife was making that point is that you know you guys are are techies right so you're used to being able to fix things everything is treat- a problem that i can solve exactly. with enough effort and analysis yeah, yeah exactly and it's <laughs> you know we treat ourselves as machines and we're not and ultimately we're not machines and that's what we need and it's to not remember. a failure that you're not a machine no it's it's how <laughs> it's- you are it's 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 the piece of okay you need sleep you need rest and if you sleep and you rest and you exercise you actually the 40 or 50 hours you put in in a week will be much more be- much more productive mm-hmm. than putting in 80 hours a week and not sleeping and eating crap food and not exercising properly. Right. So, and it's, you know, and it's, you know, so we le- learn these lessons the hard way. But the whole idea is, you know, try and, try and help people learn them the easier way. So tell me about the second experience because we haven't gotten to that yet. The second you, experience. You, you invoked... <laughs> Voldemort. Uh, he shall not be named yeah. yesterday. So it was, um, and it was, it was an interesting experience to me at a couple of levels because this was somebody I'd known casually over a couple of years. Uh, so you meet him at events and outwardly seemed quite successful in terms of, you know, companies and things he was involved in. 
told a really, t- told a very good story. You know, uh, very charming individual, um, um, and um, uh, so he. You know, I was, I was, I had a number of projects ongoing. You know, he uh, bumped into him at one stage. And he was saying, "Look, have you got any spare capacity to do stuff?" And I said, "Yeah, actually, in you know, in six weeks' time, I've got one project finishing. I've you know, busy two days a week, but I'll have two or three. So we started working various bits and pieces together, and there was uh, he's. Pre- uh, and my problem is I didn't do my own due diligence, right? And it's ironic because I've, you know, I've done due diligence on acquisitions of companies for GE at a corporate level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a, you know, I've done a whole pile of stuff, but you know, uh, it didn't stop and uh, you know carefully consider this piece. And you know, I'd been, yeah, I suppose I've been running my own business for eighteen months at that point. I had never had a problem with anybody paying me. Right. You know, uh, everything had gone swimmingly well. Projects had gone well. Work relationships had gone well. Uh, and um, so we just started working on the project uh, pulling a software development company I knew uh, who were quite good at what they did to work on some of the projects um, and you know things were fine for a couple of months uh, and then cracks started to appear so payments were late and the payments were late but got paid and the payments were late and weren't getting paid so and as I said it, 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 the cracks turned into a gaping hole of cash the problem then was how somebody was actually dealing with it. So they were actually lying about the problems. Uh, having been in the situation of being in a startup and understanding, you know, cash flow and cash squeezes and everything else, uh, you can understand that. You can't understand that somebody being dishonest and look flat out lying about stuff, particularly when you're faking bank transfers. Right. Uh, so <laughs> that stage, you know, okay, you know, all the red flags. Uh, but I had some people I'd brought in, so I'd brought in the suppliers, and I had there were some people I'd helped hire in uh, to the company. Now, so one of them we got a job before I left, and one of them got a job after I had gone through the process of starting to sue this individual. But we, we found roles for both of them. But the key thing I want to do is make sure the suppliers I brought in got paid because I felt I had a responsibility mm-hmm. to them because uh, they had gotten burned by somebody else on another project a couple of months previously. So. You know, it's, it's, it's all of these challenges that go around and it, it causes lots of problems for people. And that's the bit where, okay, the easy thing to do would have been just to walk away from my perspective. Uh, and I would have taken less of a hit at the time, uh, but I made sure the supplier got paid and then I sued the individual in question. And what was the interesting part is that that came out after that was the conversations people started to have. And it was like some people said, oh, yeah. I thought I should have had a conversation with you before I was going, why didn't you? And there is this thing about, you know, I don't know if it's an Irish thing, I don't know if it's an international thing, but there's this thing about not saying, you know, not not, not speaking about the things that go on except in a code. Mm. Uh, whereas uh, my perspective is, you know, you know, there's people coming up and they're trying to start businesses and they're putting in time and they're putting in money and they need to be warned if there's, if there's you know, if there's, if there's players in the, in the environment who are you know, uh, you know, there's always be situations where people fall out over things. You know, projects don't go well, sure. and and that's just going to happen. But when people are predatory in their behaviour, and that's the only way I would describe it, is when people are predatory in their behaviour, other people need to be warned about it. So I had ended up having all these conversations around Dublin, and then I had people referring other people to me, saying, "Look, so and so has had a conversation with this person. Will you go and talk to? Uh, will you mm. talk to them?" I said. You should talk to them, but if you won't, I will talk to them. And then you kind of go, well, I have a court case going on. I have a judgment now uh, against this person. You know, these are the facts of the case. So 
if you want to work with them, I can't stop you. But you should know what you're. You should into. know, and I, you know, and then I would give them a list of four or five other people to ring. So I'd go and talk to these other people, uh, and then decide. And that becomes, you know, I, and I think it's our responsibility, particularly when we're, you know, we have a startup ecosystem in Dublin that has grown quite strong over the last couple of years. So people like Paul and people like Eamon Leonard and a number of other people in the environment um, have helped grow and nurture this. And there's lots, so there's a lot of really, really good people in that environment who are helping things along. So at the same time, you have to weed the garden. Mm. You know, you have to warn people of the of of the of the messers. You have to warn people of the predators. And this is um, what what you said is this is in the end as as disastrous as that situation yeah. was. You would chalk that up as a as a, a success yeah, personally you, because you did the right thing. It, and yeah, I mean, sometimes we we're, we're not. Uh, the only thing is in, in our control a lot of the times how we respond respond to events. So the choice that we have is how we respond to things that actually happen. And I think the important thing is, and it's, it's something Paul talked about yesterday in his opening talk, was about relationships. You know, we are the sum of the relationships that we make over our lives. We're responsible for the people. We have, you know, at one level, having kids, you feel you have a duty to care to the world. Now, you can't look after everybody, but you have to be, you know, and a lot of people you won't get on with, or that's fine, but you have to be decent and responsible to the people that you interact with. And if you see a problem, you have to let people know they don't have to take your advice but I think the bit where we don't help people the bit where you know we avoid and you know I've had conversations with people saying oh yeah I know he's a chancer but you know he's great crack I'm going do you hear yourself do you understand what this do you understand you know you're actually facilitating uh, somebody else running into this problem and you know I was I was talking to somebody somebody actually here Yesterday, who said, "Oh yeah, I met somebody who dealt with them, and you know, and they're and they're down twenty or thirty grand from a project." So it's cool, and that's the problem. I I know Voldemort is the Lord of uh, Darkness, but have you seen his magic tricks? <laughs> they're very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dermot, thank you so much for stopping by the Ool Radio. Thank you for having me, Jason. Corner. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks.